and ride with me in my foul life. What is that sausage we're eating right there? What? What you mean? What? What, what is, is it? it? Go ahead. Talk. They call it summer sausage. And it's with what? Deer. There's no deer in that. Pork. Is there deer Jeez. in that, Bubba? Jalapeno. I think there's a deer. I think there's a little bit. Right, there's yeah. another piece. Another piece. That, I feel like I've eaten it all. That's a Missouri deer that eat corn all day long and soybeans, so they don't taste like deer. But it's done by a Cajun? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, Cajuns the same, just do the things same, better. The same dude. The sausage it, we ate the other day? The elk, that's the who made that elk? sausage. Yeah. Man, yeah. he's good. And the duck boudin <clears throat> that you were supposed to eat? Yeah. That he made that too. Does he only... Does he only process wild game like that or can you go into his shop and, and buy any like farm raised stuff that he does or anything he probably does, can't buy he a grocery store. he does uh like yeah season meat regular sausage and chicken sausage and, and boudin and regular yeah. boudin <laughs> you, you he, makes, he makes his own boudin too yeah this dude it, that is eating 20 pounds of boudin says if, boudin, if boudin couldn't get like boudin is awesome but did you try the kirschner's with the k starts with a k no kirschner's as, no, as the best one is it? Mm-hmm. I got Dawn's. We had Billy's. Mm-hmm. That's two good ones. And you got the one, the one from the store. Bourgeois, so I've had. Bourgeois. Best yeah. Stop is another local favorite. Who is Best Stop? The Best, best Stop. Yeah, but uh, but then they started putting it in burritos, the egg rolls, egg and rolls then these boudin balls. The egg rolls is unbelievable. Had balls. The egg rolls are actually yeah. unbe- those were unbelievable. I was going to say that today, but I think your phone rang or something happened. I was like. This is better than any Asian egg roll I've ever had. You know, the, as far as the mm-hmm. stuff inside of it, that egg roll today from Billy's was unreal. You, you dipped it in the no, no we didn't. Did no, no. any sauce. Do you, do do you guys still love eating Cajun food? Being from down here, because sometimes they say you know too much of a good thing can wear you That's out. That's why I look like I look absolutely. <laughs> You know, never, like, never like I said today, I mean, it's not something that we eat often. It's not something we eat often, but like today, whenever we stop. Yeah, give me a link of smoked boudin. I mean, that's that's a treat, you know. And then, yeah, I ain't gonna lie, I took a little bite of that extra. I, that's why whenever I was leaving out, I'm like, dude, you want this boudin ball? No, I'm good. All right. That was so while cheese waiting for him. Is that I one with the cheese in it? Yeah, good? it was good. And it was like, can I have it? I said, here, dude, eat the rest. Can I have it? <laughs> it puts his big old hand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Probably look like an M M&M, and M peanut M M&M and M in his hand. <laughs> yeah, because I. I can't get enough of it, man. Like I, I came down here right when I got off the plane. I had a Charlie, which we'll get into. He took me to a place right out on the outskirts of Lafayette, a little barbecue house that had a, a back window inside. And you can go up there and order your 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 plate or you can go and get, you know, that you can go pick up boudin links or whatever. I don't know what the name of it was, but it was killer. I only had one bad piece of boudin the whole time I was here. Not bad, but just not as good as the other ones. But I, I don't, I'm afraid I would I would eat it every day if I lived down here. There's nothing wrong with any of the Cajun food. <laughs> the stuff we ate at camp, the stuff Charlie was throwing down on the gravies, um, just the 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 process is so awesome. Like, do y'all get into it? The cooking and the process of the the ruse and the gravies and all that. Yep. You, yep. You, you'll stand lot. around an oven and cook for hours. That's yep. what we that's what I do. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. What's your specialty? Anything. Don't really matter. Well, give me it's one. Give what, me an idea of uh, one that you would cook for me and be jambalaya, pastalaya, seafood pasta, <laughs> gumbo, meatball stew, chili. All Cajun stuff. Anything. Yeah. All right. We're talking with Holt and Bubba and Kyle down here at the headquarters of Gatortail. Pronounce the city for me, please. Lauraville. Lauraville, Louisiana. Did I say Louisiana right? Louisiana, Louisiana. 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 
What's the best song ever written about Louisiana? Bubba, go. <laughs> Baton Rouge, dude. Yeah. I mean. Like the Garth Brooks one? Call him Baton Rouge. Yeah. Call him Baton Rouge. Yeah. What about Leaving Louisiana in the Broad Daylight by the Oak Ridge Boys? My favorite's Mel McDaniel, Louisiana Saturday Night. Yes. We yeah. were singing that. That's a good classic. Yeah. That's good. my favorite Louisiana yeah. song. Yeah. I do like the Hank Williams one, though, about the, the crawfish pie and the jambalaya and yes. the bayou and all that. So how much of, in your two opinion, you've been here over a decade, Bubba. You've been here since day one, Holt. You mm -hmm. were here at the very beginning, humbling beginnings of Gator Tail. How much does that Louisiana culture play in what you two do? You all are in customer service. And you guys deal with warranty. You deal with keeping the, the customer more than satisfied. And then you also deal with sales. Yes. So that would be your two. You would be the leads on those areas then, customer yes. service and sales. How much does that Louisiana Cajun culture play into that to where these customers are put first all the time? I think uh, the Cajun way is just how we were brought up. Like we people. We like people. We're always around people. We know how to talk to people. Um, we just try to handle everything the best way we can. Going on to that, it, it's our culture. That's how we were raised, you know. So maybe what my mom and dad or my grandma, grandpa, you know, it almost just moves right into it. We want, we want to serve. We want, we're outspoken people. You know, we want to help. We want to lend a hand. You know. So, is it become tedious work, or being here this long? Y'all, you have to take ownership in the company. I mean, I don't know what the ownership is on paper, but as as to be here that long, there has to be something going right. You know, what is it about this the the roof we're under that keeps an employee? I mean, you're going on two decades, and you're over one decade. What is it that keeps you here? Is it is it goal orientated? Is it the culture? Is it the belief in the product and the love and the passion for the brand? What keeps a person here for that long? On, on for me, it's trying to always trying to make the product better and and striving to make it faster make it you know this everything better than what it is it is it never ends we're always trying different things always and one of the biggest blessings i got from this place is meeting good people people like yourself and just the 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 good people out there in this country that you forget when you watch the news it's unreal how many good people's out there you, you know, and I'm I'm a, I'm a people person. I do, you know, do a lot of the sales, but talking to the people. And then you kind of hit on the passion. Like, I'm a duck hunter. I'm a fisherman, but I'm an outdoorsman. So what better work setting is this? So, well, if it's not a job. If you love your job, you know, and every day, you know, trying, kind of what he said, making the product stronger and just going out there, enjoying the outdoors with a wonderful product, what we create, and then making it better, you know, coming back that Monday morning man, look what I did or look what did, you know, look what we shot or look what we saw, just all those things. And then hearing it from the, you know, customer service and the customer call you the gratitude, man, I never thought I could go where I went or I never thought I could do what I could do. That keeps you going. That drive is reunited every day. The grind, the phone calls, and it's like, all right, let's go back at it. Let's get the next one, you know, and let's give that opportunity to the next person. I saw a comment come in. I don't remember who it was. I think it was you, but there was a comment by a customer that said, man, thank you for my gator tail. It was almost better than my honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty, that's a pretty good critique of a yeah, boat. That, that, that was a text message I got Monday morning. 
Man, I, I took out my new gator tail this morning, this weekend, and it was almost better than my honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> so Kyle, pro- probably a 60-year-old man. Is yeah. <laughs> so how does it work with you, Kyle, when these guys are obviously friends, too? They're not just employees. So how does that play a role? Like, you know they got your back. You know that they're, they're, they're riding for the brand. Does it make it easier for you to know that you have – this loyalty, obviously the answer to that's yes, but talk to me about that loyalty and what it's meant to you and your father to have guys and, and women, I'm sure. I mean, that's a, that's a something to really be proud of to have oh, employees absolutely. that decades long. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I think you, you know, from, from hanging with me, uh, that it, it, I'm always about the team that we have, you know, it's not a one man show over here by any means. I mean, it's a whole team. It takes, it takes, every single person that works over here to make it happen and yeah we're very very grateful for everybody that, that's here you know grateful for white and bubba that's been here as long as they have lisa you know every everybody that's been here with us from the beginning you know and just just as grateful for the ones that are here that just came here a month ago you know it takes takes everybody in this building and that building the whole team to make it happen so when you you have a whole bunch of potential customer base out there with this. You guys, we you know, I've heard the, the word diversity thrown around. You got fishing, you have hunting, you have recreation. Um, for all of that potential customer on the education part of it, Bubba, let's start with you in sales. What is a gator tail? It's an air-cooled surface drive engine. You know, the, the best way I can explain it to the, to the novice, it's an air-cooled outboard. It doesn't take water to cool it. The advantage is, is being able to go in remote places shallow. You know, you just talked about diversity and something that don't want to get off tangent of what it is, but search and rescue, that's a big one. You know, we're hunter or fishermen, but you see these floods and these, you know, hurricanes and river floodings and to just drive over the street. You can never do that with a conventional outboard, you know. So the end of the day, you know, an air-cooled outboard style engine. Is that how you would describe it, Holt? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's that's what it is, and it's it's very can use it for many different things. Um, so commercial tell, fishermen to when you say many different things, tell me when you when you say that. But you also said that you know go places you've never gone before. I saw that on a poster in the in the lobby. What does that mean? Where can you go in a gator tail? Like you can't just say you can go on a mud flat. Right. But I've seen people going like no right. water. Like what do you tell people like where you can, what you can do with these things and be comfortable doing it. Can you put it in? And as long as your boat's floating, you can go somewhere. Just about, you know, take and, it, 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 and it has its limits. You, you, it's, it's not going to go over dry ground. It's not going to do some things that an airboat can do, but they, we have fishermen that make their living with these things that it's, they don't burn any fuel. They're very, very good on fuel. Fuel economy is great, and they just—they're so robust that they can go through things that they never could do with a gear with a gear set up on our boat motor. They just don't—they just don't like it. I mean, can you even put in perspective what you did in that boat this past few days? Like, do, do you you the stuff that we went through? Like, there's nothing else. Yeah, an airboat could have, but we in water that is inches deep inches like whenever i went and set out those decoys before the hunt there was everywhere is that the prop would do a prop wash it was a mound of mud like we were basically in inches of water 
with sticks and hurricane debris still in those ponds. Hey, you hit stuff so hard, it'll rip the handle out of your, out of your hand. Like, it, it's, sometimes you look back and you're like, even though, even though we've been, I've been running these things for 20 years, you look back and you're yeah. like, wow, I can't believe we just went through that. I mean, it, it, it's, um, it's pretty amazing. And we end them every day. And it, I know, I love, I, I think they are the, besides, you know, the communication with the duck in my world is really cool. The dog is really good. Obviously, the camaraderie is key. Camp, kids, introducing people new. But I don't know if there's a more fun part of the hunt than the gator tail. I truly don't know if there's something that makes me get so giddy. Maybe when that hint, that first mallard just does that, I'm like, oh, sh-, you know, like a deer hunter. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Right, but, <laughs> by the way, there's no deer in this sausage. But, yeah. but to hear that motor start up just in the shop today, I was like, oh, God. Yeah. Oh, like I'm just like yours. I'm like butter, right? Out of a <laughs> Just melting, like just take me right mm-hmm. that's the, getting in that thing there's like a different mindset of accomplishment in my opinion and satisfaction of a hunt through a gator tail there's something about that ride out and that ride in before the shotgunning after the shotgunning the ducks on the deck the the dog the wet dog you know all of that goes into how i want to paint the picture of the ultimate duck hunt there's great ways to hunt ducks you pull up a dry field put out a spinner and a couple decoys and have powerful mallards doing it in corn and in North Dakota. I mean, that's awesome. Peafield and Saskatchewan, but there's something about that boat ride in a gator tail that brings the hunt to me, the way it's supposed to be in my, in my, on my canvas, the picture I'm painting for, you know, the hunt I want to be on. Do you, I would think that most of the customer base would echo those sentiments of there's something about that boat ride. It's not just a tool. It's not just a tool to get out there. I really don't believe that it is. I think that it's something bigger than that as far as the the actual experience of the hunt. Absolutely. And I think there's some loyalty of the customer. Don't want to get into the Ford Chevy thing, but it's a prideful thing. You know, it's not only it's a tool, it's a Benelli shotgun. It's a, like, this is a gator tail. You know, I want it. I need it. I got to have it. You know, kind of talking about he had brought up, he was putting out the decoys. I had a wonderful weekend the opener just passed this past weekend saturday morning north wind blew through that afternoon my decoys were on dry land here we go do we need a gator tail you have to have a gator i'm picking up 100 decoys on soft mud with three grown men and two dogs and smiling from ear to ear how many times i've done it like there's no other product there's no other thing out there that can do what i did and then again makes it more enjoyable there's no more pushing there's no more pulling it's it's the enjoyment and the older gentlemen, you know, we have quite a few customers, you know, we want the 18 year old, or we want the seven year old. That's extending their passion. They've been doing it all their life. Now they can't afford to get out of a boat and walk, even if it is to that dry field. So they're hunting out of the boat. They drive right there, pop up the duck blind, pull into their makeshift blind, shoot ducks, drive back to the camp, step out. They hunted in their rock boards, and, you know, same shoes and, they're going And there the was a lot of them that's 50 years old that when we opened up in our seven, it is still running them too. So yeah. Yeah. The yeah. passion yeah, to true. that guy, you know, the guys that we look up to the young generation, like, man, I wish it, you know, you, you know, you can hear, you can see it, but you know, there's a, there's a lot of that and that keeps it going, you know, yeah, going never thought of that. that's so, a great point. Going back to that. You so, know? so Bubba, tell them what this same boat that you ran this weekend to duck hunt and you were picking up decoys in the mud. What did you do with that boat over the summer? I fished, uh, you know, fished. I did a little bit of everything, you know, and, and that was the 
changing of the seasons. Okay, it's two weeks out. Let's go brush blinds. Trolling motor comes off. Stuff like, you know, all that. You know, the, everything is versatile. He tried to catch. Out, he tried to know. catch crappie with it, but it didn't, wasn't very successful. I have no but idea. he did try several. Oh, Holt is gone. Hey, the, the cheating machine had a live scope that had to come off. Okay, I said it. That is the arcade of freaking that fish. Is, it's, it, you know, I was so, up and I was walleye fishing. I'm like, this is not fishing. Yeah. Give me my reel. Yeah. I mean, the guide was like, I ain't interrupting you. <laughs> yeah, no. But he would look at that video game and then he would take the rod out of my hand and cast for me. I'm like. <laughs> What are you doing? What are you doing? It become like a joystick to this guy. He's just putting it there, and then would let me really. And they like the fish are, are spotted well before you catch them. Now yep. it's it's crazy. But I've never so, thought about that extension of the hunting that's career. That's exactly. a good part. No, of it. it it is. And we have I have you know fortunate some from family members. Obviously, you know, I grew up in a hunting family, and I started when I was five. If you want to call it that, we got the pictures. You know, me holding the green head. The fire was lit. It was over. My dad's knocking on 70, his brothers, you know, that family South Louisiana culture, you know, I can see it now. They wouldn't be able to do what they did. You know, we, we do still paddle the P-Rogs, but those are far and few between. We don't have to, you know, there's no net. You just, just go drive straight to it. Well, let's get into details about that decoy pickup right now. Describe to the audience, if you will, Bubba, what, are you serious that it was a mud flat it, by it, that it, time? It because a, the tide went out? A wet mud flat. You know, I would, the description would be the decoys are on their side. And on now, the side, there's nothing, nothing to even soft, float the keel. Soft mud. If you got out, you would sink, you know, to your thighs. So, so what is the secret of the gator tail and, and how do you operate a gator tail in this situation for success? Because I picture you now, you're maneuvering it to get to all these decoys. You're not going to step into knee deep mud. Right, you're going to stay in the boat, and you're picking up decoys. You might have help in the front of the boat that's picking them up. So you're maneuvering in and out of lanes, getting these decoys. How do you do that in a gator tail when there's no water? Yeah. So, um, being that it's a surface piercing prop, and the bottom of the boat is completely flat, gives you a huge advantage when you get on these mud flats to displace the boat, keeping it afloat. The out drive, and I'll kind of pull Hoyt into this one. Mm -hmm. The length of the lower unit allows the propeller to drop down into the soft, more moist mud and the propeller actually will turn and propel you, you know, propulse you forward. And the, the little bit of moisture in the mud is like your fuel for your engine. The more, the more water you have mixed in it, the better you're going to do. The less water you have, the more, the stickier it is and the, the tougher it is. So if, if you can navigate little small ditches and just have more, more water than not, it's very, very exceptional. In, in my particular boat, it's a um, 1860 Extreme. I actually have a center console. So some people say, oh, man, hard duck hunter. You got to have the tiller drive. You know, that, but I'm a, I hunt, I fish, do it all. And the reverse function of our motor, very, very strong. You wash a hole, kind of back up, go forward, point your boat in a different direction. You're exactly right. Two guys off the bow, just picking them up guy behind you clipping the texas rigs stacking them up and just going around very effortless you know that's pretty cool mm -hmm. that's like i mean i'm picturing it i haven't gotten that situation talk to me in that situation with the reverse now real quick about are is the reverse just as dependable as forward in that situation in case you need it, in case you need it it's it's, it's 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 more useful than forward yep absolutely like the stuff that i dropped y'all off in today i mean well you know during the hunts you like the motor that that we built 18 years ago compared to the motor we built today there's no comparison like we would have we would have struggled 18 years ago doing that 
But then now it's nothing. You drop you off like you saw. I I'd go. I couldn't even paddle a pea rogue in the stuff that the boat was going through. Like it was too shallow. Got to get out the pea rogue and pull it. And the reason why we paddle, you you understand the whole theory behind the pea rogue. Yeah. I- so. Well, that's to hide the boat, you yeah. know, and that way you're just hiding a little small P-Rogue. Yeah. But, I mean, the water was so shallow, I couldn't even paddle a P-Rogue, and you're in there with the boat and just doing whatever you want. Backwards, forwards, sideways, it didn't matter. Do you do you guys hunt out of the boats? I yeah. know that they, I know that a lot of people do, but do you guys personally? Yeah. yeah. I mean, especially with the young kids, we, we, we used to do that often, you know, and it depends on the hide. It depends on... on but yes, we 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 killed many 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 ducks out of out of boat blinds in Pecan Island. So I'll jump into this. Following that afternoon, the water goes out. I'm picking up the decoys. Well, that spot is no good for tomorrow. So picked up all the decoys, relocated to the part of the pond or a section that was holding water because of the low water. And the next morning, we hunted out of another gator tail with a boat blind on it, a makeshift spot, found where the water was. Ducks like water. Pretty much every bird that we saw was locking in because that's where the water was. That's where the decoys were. It looked natural, you know, and we have a gator tail pop-up line, put a little brush in front of it, get a good backdrop, and it was over with. And and now he's touching that. Talking about your rule to you. you one one of the, the most important things whenever you're trying to hunt out of a boat blind, and I and 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 a lot of our customers don't know this, but from experience. You want to separate the boat between, you want to have a piece of land in between the boat and the pond. So you always want to set up like where where Eli was set up with the camera, the way I have a little cove in there that I can pull in. You don't, you, you want to try not to just park a boat in the middle of a pond and pop the blind up. You want to have something that's blocking the, the, the outline of the boat. You want to have some natural brush and vegetation between the boat and the pond or the boat and the decoys. And cut some brush, some native brush, brush up across the top of the blind, close up your holes, those kinds of things. You know, it's not it's not as simple as, and maybe in some places it is, but for us where we hunt, it's not as simple as just popping up the blind and say, let's kill ducks. You know, you can't do it that way. The same way as Mr. Art told us today at Fox, he says, those ducks have been called at from Canada all the way down to South Louisiana. So you have to be creative with the blind. But it's such a it's such a nice tool, especially if you have a great dog and you don't have to move the boat every time you shoot a bird, and the dog can work off of it. You don't the boat doesn't move. You, you park it at the beginning of the hunt, and then you don't do you don't move it until the end. Or if you are in a hunt, a, a situation where you're hunting divers or something like that, you pop up a boat blind, you anchor it out, you hunt. You know you shoot a bird, you got to go get it, unload your guns, put them down, take off. You know, and go get them. When you say anchor or anchor the boat, does that include stabilization through a method that Gator Tails? Well, we, we we do we do a, a stabilizer kit on a boat, and it's a um, you know it's a spud pole front and rear. Now that being said, whenever you in 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 deep water, and you know most of the time we all know whenever you're gonna kill ducks is when the boat's on the bottom. You want it to be shallow. So like a lot of times when we hunt out of a boat blind, the boat is sitting in mud. You know, you're going to try to get it. Like I said, you're going to find a little cut in the marsh where you can go between the bank is between the boat. So the boat's basically sitting on the bottom. So you, you're very stabilized. Now, whenever you're hunting 10 feet of water, yes, it's going to be a little rocky. But then that depends on what size boat you're buying. And you, if you know that's what you're doing, then you're going to go with a 60-inch bottom boat rather than a 48-inch bottom boat. Cover more surface. Yes. Or... Yeah. And the boats are very stable. Um you know, we think boats, all V-bottom boats or most boats have a keel to them. 
Well, these boats are a tr true flat bottom boat. So there's no, you know, axis for it to rotate on. So even though it's in, you know, some open water, it's very stable. Do you have, do you have uh, any guidance when, because I love hunting out of boats, but some of the, some of the things that I think about are how much room is in that boat really? Like, do you try to put, you know, three guys in there, you know, I, obviously this has to do with the length of the boat again, but is there, is there an area to where you guys would refer a customer to or, or kind of warn a customer of like, Hey, this is meant for two guys to hunt out of. Don't ever even try to put three in. Like what's the, what's the scope there that you would tell people of like, you can be, you can feel comfortable. You can put somebody up on the bow. You can put somebody back here. Like what do you, what, what do you tell people as long as they're hidden, you're good to go. Or do you have some advice on that? So I'll kind of jump into this and I do this daily and it's part of the routine or the idea. Great question. So I always tell, ask the customer, put in percentages. So every boat can be different. You can visit obviously our website and already see the different makes and models as we offer. Some have a traditional front deck, some have a mid deck, but it's honestly how the customer is gonna use the boat. And then we dictate maybe, hey, we recommend this and explain those different options. Cause as much as a mid deck may benefit someone, it could be a disadvantage to the next person or the idea of it of what you're using it hoyt deer hunter fisherman duck hunter but 80 percent of his time is fishing 20 percent is hunting so that one feature or option might be crucial we gotta have it i'm gonna deal with it during the fishing season you know or, or vice versa you know so the wide bottom is usually the guy that wants to haul a load carry a lot of weight carry a lot of gear as well as makes a great fishing platform the narrow ones you kind of saw with kyle skinny ditches you know i need to get in there so he can use that to hunt and fish but that's a necessity i can't put that big boat in that tight ditch so that dictates where 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 you go with it you know and a guy hunting in california is a different than a guy in florida or the guy in south louisiana you know we're all hunting ducks different situations um not to ramble on but i had a customer in washington state um, never been up there, knew nothing about it, but I'm a duck hunter in South Louisiana. Oh, I need to get a gator tail. They don't have hard, soft bottoms. It's a hard bottom. So you want that wide boat to displace the water to get on step with that harder bottom. You know, learn that, went up there, saw it, and that it's to, to go places you can't go because you need to get up quick and stay shallow. So what boat do I want for flooded timber hunting Arkansas? Kyle, you want to jump in? Oh, well, I mean, that, that little savage boat, I mean it's hard to beat i mean it's uh you know we Hoyt and i played with how many different prototype boats that we built and you know play with the the speed the turn and uh and everything the savage is simply miss it's unbeatable you know it's uh now i will tell you that little boat that we was in the past couple of days that was a probably a 1754 1854 mod v that boat ran really really well and and but that particular boat was built to hunt a reservoir not so much to hunt the flooded timber um but you know that and and even a boat like the savage can be used for everything it, it's it's just it can be used for every scenario you know you look at the boat we was in my my boat the one rick drove look the boats that we put the camera guys in that's a 1754 flat front you can use it anywhere as also, but you're probably not going to want to use it in the timber because if you hit a tree square on, it's going to hurt. 
You know, I mean, that's why the point's there. So that if you hit a tree, it throws the, the bow sideways. Um, so, you know, and, 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 you know, different, we have one customer that his favorite boat in the timber was like a 1848 flat front. So everybody's a little different. Everybody uses something different. Um, but that, that Savage is a pretty well-rounded, well-rounded boat. Another part of, of timber and overhang and all that is I like, I love to drive my gator tail standing up. You, you drove standing up a bunch, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of clarity where we were, where when you're in timber, you know, you, you, you could be in the dark and you might have branch overhang. Are they safe to drive sitting down? And I, and what I mean by that is I assume they are because they're, you know, like, you know, they're surface drive, you know, the only thing different between an outboard is the way that you cool it is what we're talking about here. Um, but the weight of it, the, the, the actual weight and the forgiveness of it and a person's ability to use that boat the way it's meant to be. Talk to me about the torque on that. And is it good to be, or do you need to be standing up most of the time? Because you do need to put more muscle into no, this style of boat. No, no. And, and the design and, of the pivot point too. Yeah. You know, r- r- many, many years ago, let's just say when the first ones came out, they were probably a lot harder to drive than what they are now, you know? And, and, and we say that, you know, in the development of the XD, we we went through tons of different skags designs and and lower unit lengths and 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 handle designs handle and, and handle lengths and and I mean, you know, White Knot ran tons of different things, and it was and we we, you know, I had different skag designs and I you know I go run them and come back and say no, this one performs better, but this one drives better. And we went back and forth and back and forth until we found what we thought was the ultimate driving motor that, that, that we can build. Um, yeah. Could it be a little bit easier? Sure. You know, but it's, it's not bad. And, and, and to answer your question about sitting or standing, when we went crabbing that lease where I crab, no, I sit down to run that, you know, it's, I'm going to sit down the whole time. I'm going to sit down. If I'm going fishing, I'm sitting down. As you see, because of where we were in Grand Chenier, the, 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 the ditches are so tight and the turns are heavy and, and you, you can see standing up. Yeah, we would, I would stand up. Or if, if, if I have, you know, and, and let's explain the hunting situation that we was in in Grand Chenier. So that is the, the, the type of hunting we're doing is we have, and, and you didn't see them all, but we probably have six or eight duck blinds on that, in that area. So these boats are equipped to, we want to carry people not to hunt one blind, but to hunt a couple. So like if I wanted to bring somebody, drop them off at one blind, let's say we put six people in that boat in the morning. Okay. Or let's put, we put five. Okay. And I'm going to drop two off at one blind. I'm going to hunt three at mine. So that's why the boat is set up the way it is. It's not like the Savage where, you know, you put in two or three people and three dozen full bodies and, 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 and slot decoy bags, each boat has a specific purpose. And that's why we, my boat that you rode in was made as a people carrier and a, um, you know, to carry loads, to carry people, the, the mid deck works well. You get in there, you put all your blind bags on the front, easy in and out. As you stepped in the boat from the boat shed, there's not a balance issue. You stepping down lower. So that, that boat was built for a, a specific reason. And, um, but that, like that same boat over the summer, we fished soccer, white perch, crappie, whatever you want to call them in that same boat. You know, y'all asked what was the hole in the front for? Well, that hole was, uh, that's where my live scope came out. 
Well, that might have been that was another one. But anyhow, we use these boats for everything. And um that that the each boat is built for a specific reason, but I just wanted to clarify why that boat was built that way and why a savage is built the way that it, that is built. So you can drive them sitting down. Sometimes I feel torque on the handle when I'm pulling it back. Why is that, Holt or Bubba? And and then Holt made a, a Hoyt. 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 I'm sorry. Hoyt made a, a a comment of I want to build them faster. How fast will the 40 XT go? Obviously, it depends on load. Obviously, it depends on what it's pushing. But let's let's you know let's stick with the savage. What are we going to look at top speed? And is it smart to go that top speed are these safe at top speed or do you want to slow down in this style of boat because you do have the emergency tab let's we're going to get into that a little bit more Mm -hmm. that you guys make sure customers are educated that you never operate this boat without that around your wrist or attached to your life vest how you know how fast will they go and how much faster do you want to see them go they they run i'm just it's going to be a broad number but from 30 to 36 miles an hour want single engine rigs okay the dual rigs are run 33 to 36, 38, depends on the setup. Uh, Speed-wise, when I mean I want more speed, I'm talking like when I have a three or four-man load is, is when we want it to be a, running the best it can. Uh, you want a bit of playing off and you want it to run. That's that's what I meant. Top speed-wise, no, you ha- you definitely have to be – that's what the throttle is there Cautious for. is what it, – It's 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 – the boat's only as smart as the driver. So you do have to be careful and you do have to let off and there's no brakes on it. So, and being with the low, the engine at the surface, you don't have much drag. So yeah, you have to think, you need to be thinking about what's about to happen or what you need to do before, before it happens. What are some of the mistakes that can be made in this style of motor? People, people think that- Turning too hit, fast? Yeah, when you hit the shallow water, you need to go as fast as you can and that's not true. These boats right here, whenever you get on a mud flat, you can actually let off the throttle. And the thing is going to propel like it's now. Granted, if I'm if I know that I'm having to go over shallow or shallow, soft mud bottom, whatever it is. When the boat gets in shallow water, it wants to slide. So I'll let off of the throttle. And and not give it full throttle. That way you have the power if you're trying to turn the boat or maneuver the boat. You still just give it some gas and turn it. But the biggest thing is people will probably <laughs> hit the shallow water and panic and end up on the bank. You know, uh, the motor the motor has has reserve power now. And and back in the day, whenever we came out with them, the motors didn't have reserve power. So everything was wide open all the time. Now they have reserve power. You don't have to run it wide open all the time. And like whenever we were hunting, you know, whenever the only time you run it wide open is when we was in the deep canal, we'd of course run wide open, and then whenever we get in the turns, no, I slow down, you know, and you know you give it a gas when you're getting on plane. But other than that, it was you know you saw the turns we were doing. Um, can we get into why it's a better unit, not from the past, but why it's better than anything else out there? And I'm speaking from experience, like I've driven others. I'm not going to say any names, but there's something about the smoothness of this machine. Um, from beginning to end, I mean, everything from the trim to the handle, to the steering, to the power, the throttle, there's just something different about it. Can we touch on some of the advantages or is that a secret in the sauce that we can't touch on of, of why this is a better, a better unit for the duck hunter or for the outdoorsman, outdoors woman? Well, first of all, I'm going to say the reason why it's better 
is because of the people sitting at this table and the people that work for this business. That's why it's better. Because we, 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 we use them. We care about what the customer gets. I mean, you met some of these people that work, that work in here. I mean, that lady that has put together every handle over here. You know, I mean, she has put together every XD handle. She, has, she, she does not miss a day of work. I mean, think about that. I had a customer call, call one time and he says, man, I took that handle apart and they had some wires loose on there. And I said, no, sir. No, no, that that's not possible. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, no, that's not possible. And he says, and I told him the story and he says, you know what? I believe that dealer might have take may have borrowed a trim switch out of there and put it back together without the screw because they had a screw missing or something like that. And I said, I said, well, maybe that could have been what happened, but you know, it's things like that. That I mean, I, I and that's what 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 customers don't realize is that every day we are building these things. Every day, every day our service department is 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 working on them and looking at them. Every day, my guys in here are building these motors every day our machine is a machine in those parts this is what we do every day every day the people in the front are answering the phone trying to help the customers and and that's the biggest thing it's not it's not just that it's a manufacturing facility is that we care about we care about our customers after the sale we want to treat them right we want to make sure they're satisfied an unhappy customer doesn't doesn't do me or gator tail anything you know that's not what we want we, 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 I remember, I remember a long time ago, we had a customer call and, you know, he had bought, he had bought a, a boat and, and something had happened and he, you know, he was, he was mad. He was upset, you know, so he had just bought the boat and something happened. I said, Hey, sir, we didn't, we didn't design these things to break. Like, that's not what we want. That's not what, but, but we're going to make it right. We're going to get you fixed up. And, and, and that's what people need to understand, man. We, we care about what we do and we're only human. You know, and if something goes wrong and you're not happy, we're, we're gonna fix it. We're gonna, we're gonna, we want it to be right. And there's no, there's no planned obsolescence in this product. We, we actually try to build them to where they last as long as they can. We don't want anything to fail. So, as much as I appreciate that and I love that because I, the people here are awesome. Is it a better motor based on the performance? Yes or no? Yes. We is the best. It is the absolute best performance. Why? Wow. I know that it's because the way the people build it, but I feel something different when we, I drive we it. Have a, we have a patented pivot point system that nobody else has, and, and it really changes the center of gravity of, of the engine, and it, and it helps the steering. That's the smoothness part of it. Yeah. And we're the original. Yeah. I mean, we, I built this thing first. Yep. You know, I mean, like this, this there, there was nothing like it. Whenever, whenever I built the first belt-driven service drive motor, there was nothing like it. It wasn't there. It wasn't. It was non-existence. Okay, I built the first one, and we 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 worked from there like we started. And the, and the funny thing is, Chad, if you look at the first one and you look at the one as today, is where the belt rods is exactly in the same place. Nothing has changed. I just got lucky the first time. I guess is what it was, you know. But it's 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 and because the other thing is we never satisfy, never. That's a Never. I mean, it's, it's you see what I do. You know, I mean, it, it's we are never satisfied with the way it performs or anything. We're always going to be working on other things, and we believe that yes. And and look, we have we have a great we have a great dealer network. We have great partners that 
And 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 if somebody is gonna criticize something and say that something's not right, I'm gonna listen. Morgan. Like we're gonna listen and we're gonna say, man, look, this isn't right. We got to get it fixed. We 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 want to be the best. We are the best, and we wanna we wanna be the best. And over the course of the company, all those little things, whether it's a customer, whether it's Hoyt, whether it's Bubble, or anyone come in, like everything gets fine tuned. So let's fix this, and then it's just that much better, you know. And then that's that's why you know, I'm, I'm looking at the handles in the background, and you know, I don't think there's anybody in the industry that can touch our handle. And it's like, oh, did we just dream this up? Did we just send it to some? You know, it's the live and breed duck hunting fishermen, the engineering team that we have here and that, you know, all that you got to give and take, you know, we can build it like this, but then you got to, and over time it has progressed. Like how can we said it earlier every day, trying to make it better. And we have two free mechanical engineers <laughs> at our disposable all times. That what? We have two free mechanical engineers at our disposable disposal at all times. Really? Kyle and his dad. I mean, look, you, you you've met my dad. So stuff could happen. I mean, quick. this 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 guy here is amazing. You know, what I mean, like you, if if there's a problem or or we have an idea, I mean, he's he's going and he's drawing it up and he's designing it and he's gonna come up with it. And the first time it might not be right, and then we're gonna look at it and we're gonna say, man, we need, you know, let's 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 change it. And he's gonna change it. And I mean, it's. it's when, we're gonna when, stay. We, when we first started talking about the reverse because we didn't have it, we. Were, about 15 feet that way one night about eight o'clock 8 30 dreaming and we we came up with an idea that was on a thursday friday i had it lined up to go look at some equipment so we can see how it worked the saturday he came in and drew it and it's still almost 100 percent the way it was your dad see, did about 16 years ago so your dad designed the first gator tail no, I designed the first editor. How but, did you but, do it? You're but, young. It's, it, I mean, that was 2004. Hey, man, hey. I know. It was the funniest thing. I mean, so on that reverse, I mean, Hoyt and my dad and, and our late head of our machine shop, they those three worked on that reverse. I had nothing to do with it. I mean, I was I was trying to sell these things. Are you, you know have I mean? an engineering background too, Hoyt? No, nah, just, just a little bit of everything, mechanical stuff, but no engineering background. Just... Like, like, uh, have a lot of knowledge on, been working on stuff since I'm four years old. Literally. My mom could tell you stories, but it's just all I ever did. I could, I could hear a tractor coming down the road and tell you what brand it is. It's just something I always did since I'm a kid. So it, uh, it's, it's just what we do. And something I think gets overlooked and we, we, we hit on it, but everything's under this roof at this facility. Very little to none is outsourced. So if there's an issue or if there's something that needs to be upgraded or changed, it's instant. We're not running out those parts. We're not waiting on a part. It's a full service machine shop built, you know, from the raw material. So not only can you engineer it quickly or change it, but it, it's it's all here. QC of parts. Why is it better? There's there's no such thing as a bad part. Like it never makes it to the line to become bad. And and you know? and something that something that that we know. Something that we know under this facility, in this facility, because of what we do, we we know about, see, all of our parts, the majority of our parts come from American vendors, okay? And there's no secret that in America today, there's a workforce shortage, okay? And, you know, we see every once in a while, we will see problems with, with vendors' products. 
And it's not, a, again, it's not intentional that the vendor is sending us parts that are bad, but there's a human being on the other end of that assembly line that's doing things. And and it's not like today whenever we visited Mr. Art and he's been there for 54 years and every one of those calls that he puts together and you blew was right on the money. It was perfect. Well, in America today, we don't have the, we can't always have the same God doing the same thing over and over and over. So there's going to be problems and components. You know, you see it in the auto industry, you see it in all industry. And I mean, that's just, it's, it's, at the end of the day, human beings are still doing that work. And it's, it, it's, it, it, it can create problems. Um, but again, it's just, how do you fix it? You know, we're going to fix it. We're going to make it, get a happy customer. I see brand new vehicles on the highway all the time with burn bulbs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, this is crazy. This day and age to have that. And new vehicles too. Yeah. But when you start talking about partners, the, the Vanguard Briggs and Stratton <clears throat> is the motor of choice for gator tail to put into the XD40, but there's also a warranty on a gator tail. So how does this work? Because I'm, I'm picturing like y'all don't build the motor, but something can go wrong with the motor, but something can also go wrong with the actual gator tail engineering and components. Mm -hmm. How does a warranty work with a company that has partnered with an actual motor company? And then on, on part of that answer, please describe, is it an enhancement of that motor that, that you guys build onto it? I mean, it's not like you're putting a chip in it and making it more powerful, but what is, what is this called that what you're doing to the Briggs and Stratton motor? You're, you're making it to where it's going to be a shallow water machine that you're building the actual boat motor and the prop and all of that, right? The, everything that goes into putting it on a boat is what Gator Tail actually is. Well, let, let's clarify. I'm, let's call it the Briggs and Stratton, the engine. And the complete unit, the motor, outboard motor. Right? Okay. So basically, the Briggs okay. and Stratton is the, engine. is the engine. It is the power head, is the power head of our Gator Tail motor. Okay, okay? gotcha. So we do we do a Briggs and Stratton forty horse, and we do a Honda twenty five horse, and a Briggs and Stratton. Well, we actually do a Briggs and Stratton thirty five thirty five horse. And I'm sorry because we we had to drop some models through through the pandemic. Because Briggs so, had to, they limited production. So we have a 35 core, a, 20, a 35 carburetor Briggs and Stratton, a 40 horsepower EFI Briggs and Stratton, and we have a 25 horse um, Honda EFI, and we're gonna soon have a Briggs and Stratton Vanguard 23 EFI. Um, so just that's the engine, and we're gonna call the outboard the whole thing the motor, and uh, I'll let White. You know, go so the way when, when we partner up with 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 a dealer, they need to get brake certified and get that taken care of. So all the warranty work on the engine can be handled through Briggs and Stratton. On the Gator Tail side, they send their uh, techs down, and we give them class and training, just very informal stuff, and show them everything that we know could go wrong, and uh, how to service low units, just how to do all that stuff that they never did before because they used to working on outboard motors most of them are outboard dealerships uh the belt is lifetime warranty we're the only one in the industry that does that the engine has three years of warranty and the gated tail part of it the frame and everything else has one year warranty um and of course the manufacturers control the way some of that warranty goes like on the clutches the trims and stuff like that but it's it's pretty simple process. It's it's not difficult. If you were to sign up as a dealership tomorrow, we could have you going two weeks, three weeks, 
It's not that so, difficult. <clears throat> Hoyt, when you talk about a 25 carb and then the EFI, the fuel injection on it, talk to me about the difference. And if I do want to get into a, a unit like this and I'm a hardcore duck hunter, I'm not saying I am. I'm saying that a potential customer, I'm hardcore. Like I'm going in the elements. I might hunt a few different states. I might be at different altitudes. Talk to me how altitude plays into this. And what would you choose or how would you educate the customer on, and this might be a sales question too, but how do you educate the customer on a carburetor or an EFI unit? I like, I like technology. So I'm always going to go with the latest and the greatest. Um, the ease of starting, no matter what temperature it is with the EFI, the idle quality is, is unbelievable. The, the instant throttle is always there. The makes more power burns less fuel it's just so many epa wise it's cleaner engine so it's just so many pros to it that it always in my opinion outweighs the carbs where we use carbs at we use carbs in overseas uh, africa we have some and i don't know how much we can talk about that but there's there's different areas where we have to use carb engines uh national guard uh, they use carb engines because the engines sit for 11 months and they only use them for one week so it's easier for them to to get them back going uh there's some ease of working on a car engine compared to efi engine where you need more knowledge to build to do it but the the pros will always outrun the, the cons to me on the efi versus a car engine. On, the, on that same line <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> talk to me about maintenance and duck hunters kind of get a mindset of like run it until we break it you see four wheelers that are just wow you see benelli shotguns that are just wow like why mm. you made the comment the other day i don't clean my gun i shoot a benelli you know ricky's in there he's like cleaning this benelli like with, <laughs> with like i'm like dang dude, that's a benelli you need to relax bro but <clears throat> talk to me about maintenance there's a schedule there's education mm-hmm. on this is it and is it something to where it's a recommendation or do you tell them stick to the maintenance schedule to get the best performance and longevity out of your motor? Yeah, it is a recommendation, but but it's what we learned through, through 18 years of doing it that we feel is the best. And it's not exactly like Briggs says. It's a little bit uh, more frequent than what Briggs would say, but it's it's for the life of the engine, the, the better, you know, to make it last longer. Uh, run high-grade fuel, not at three octane. Very, very important. It's uh this is a high compression air cooled engine. It it runs hotter. It needs higher octane fuel to keep it cool. So that and changing oil every fifty hours and oil filter and good, running good oil, it all just helps it last a lot longer. When I look at my trucks, I've had a two thousand eighteen Ford, then I had a two thousand twenty, and then I have a two thousand twenty two. Do we do this with Gator Tail? Do we expect to do two years sell it get a brand new one or as a customer going into this purchase do we collect them or is this going to be a 10-year purchase because i mean are you guys telling the customer base hey once you buy one you're never going to need another one because they run for so long it it just depends we had one last week coming and buying your engine his was a 05 and he decided he needed to upgrade to to a new one 05 what close to 2000 hours yeah 05 we have some commercial fishermen that their engine is three years old and they have over 3,000 hours on it. And, and look, 
the the engine when Briggs will tell you the engine was rated for fifteen hundred. They have three over three thousand hours on some of them. So it uh, it just depends on what you use it for. My engine, I'll be honest with you, probably last me thirty years. I, I don't run it wide open, and and I don't use it that that often. You know, I put the normal fifty hours, sixty hours a year, like most people do. That engine will last a long time. Put put into perspective this customer that was that walked in the lobby this afternoon. The motor is a 09, okay? The motor's a 09, and he's taking this down the river, the Mississippi River, to duck hunt in Venice. One of the most dangerous places to duck hunt. The thing's a 09, and he, you heard what he said. This thing is the best running motor I ever had. There you go. Yep. 09. Very customer driven <laughs> on, you have, just as your cars. You might be the, hey, I'm going to trade it in every two years. I'm going to get the X amount of miles, you know, continue it, or. Hey, I'm riding this thing till the wheels fall off, you know. Um, and so. the motor, the the whole the whole system is uh, the the whole the whole system is relatively simple. Okay, mm -hmm. so somebody that's mechanically inclined that doesn't mind getting their hands dirty, this thing will last them a lifetime. I mean, if you look at it, it's it's a mechanic's dream. You know, and and that was the whole theory behind it was we wanted to make sure that it was serviceable across the country. You know, you said anybody can, any, any, even if a mechanic has never worked on this thing and they drive up and somebody drives up at the shop and says, can you work on this? They could pull the cover off and be like, oh, yeah, I can work on this. It's not difficult. Um, and 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 though there was reasons for people to buy new ones over the years because of the, the technology that we changed in it. All three of you are proficient with these motors, obviously. I'm talking about the operation of them, not the mechanical part or the maintenance part of them, which I know you guys can all fix your own motor, I'm sure. Um, talk to me about practice, getting comfortable with this motor. What's the break-in period on this? What do you tell somebody? Um, because they're fun and you, you're going to want to be in them all the time. But what what are some of the hints that you can give to somebody? Like, for example, let's say 24 inches of water, not a lot of mud buildup, and there's probably not a chance to hit a stump. You know, this is a, a pond that's been drained, farmed. It's a duck club. It's clear, but we need to get to the duck blind. It could have, have some white caps once in a while with high winds. But where do I put my prop? How far do I put it under the water? <clears throat> At one time, I thought I wanted a whale tail because it looked cool on video, right? <laughs> do I want a whale tail? Um, and what's, you know, what, where do I put that, that prop in the water? Do I want it right at the top? Do I want it halfway in, halfway out? Is it okay to have it trimmed all the way down? Talk to me about trim. Where do I want that prop in that situation of uh, no clumps, no debris? Uh, obviously anything could happen, but I'm pretty sure I, there's I not. Could, I could take this. You, uh, basically what I tell you, but the rule of thumb is for clean water running, keep the whale tail no higher than the muffler. That's when your drivability is going to be the best, best speed in the prop. Overall, pretty close to the best it's ever going to be. Um, to make it drive easier, it's this thing I consider it like a hydro slide. If it's leaning to the left, it's going to go to the left. If the boat's leaning to the right, it's going to go to the right. You adjust your weight accordingly, and the thing will just start driving. Adjust like your weight to what? Adjust your, your weight accordingly in the, load, 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 load the boat. 
yeah. and shifting when, it. When I take right. off, I look at the front of the boat, compare it to the horizon, and make sure that it's level or a little bit heavier toward the right side, not much. And, and it'll just drive like a dream. Move right really. side is your preference, or that's what you would tell somebody? Your preference. Preference. Yeah. And, and the thing is, it, you, you can... You know, you want to look at your GPS and you're trying to go as fast as you can go. But the fact of the matter is, if you trim the motor down and make it as comfortable as you can to drive, you yep. might lose half a mile an hour or one yep. mile an hour. You know, just be comfortable. The more and, engine and, in the water, the easier it is to drive. So that well tail at muffler height, you are you... Is the prop all the way in the water? At it's that? it's probably yeah. It's probably about a third of it sticking out. But you yeah. would rather have so in dirty water where there is a chance of a stump or something, you want it buried in takeoff. In to take off. To take off. Now, if no, you no, not bury it, you're not gonna hmm. you're not you don't bury the prop to take off. You, you whenever you stop, you leave the prop exactly where it was. Like and, in other words, yeah, what and, I do, if I'm running on if I'm running on plane and I stop, when I go to take off, I'm just gonna give it the gas. I think Bubba meant if you like I'm mud. Sorry, in mud. Oh, in yes. mud. He said, yeah. yeah. In clean water, yes, you leave it the same. Leave the same. Yeah. yeah. Right. So in dirty water where there's, you, it's a little bit shallower and muddy. You need more bite. So what you're doing is just trying to get the boat to go forward to relieve the pressure of the prop. And one thing you kind of hit on earlier, and Hoyt said it perfect, is there a learning curve? And outboard, you're taught. You trim the motor down. The outboard propeller is always underwater. That's where it's propped at. That's where it's pitched at. That's what it does. And then you casually trim it up to relieve the bow and to become more efficient. And I think the surface driving, this is, you know, clean water. It's opposite. You have that motor. It's a surface piercing prop. That's what it's designed to do. So when going into the start position, that prop is underwater. So you actually want it to cavitate or break loose. And then once the whale tail starts going, you know, as Wade mm -hmm. said, maybe above the muffler, like, you, hey, it looks cool. You're, you're inefficiency because now you're just turning a lot of air and not, then you slowly trim it down to get that rooster tail, whale tail at that height. And that's a big thing. People are like, oh, I didn't understand because they think you got to bury this thing. That's why Kyle's like, no, you don't. That, you know, you're trimming it down, but that's, that's the opposite. And outboard goes that way and then the surface drive you're actually going to slowly trim it down after you're on plane and in, in, on step running and then if and you, you if, a, if you have a hard sand bottom then you want the whale tail or we call it rooster tail as high as it'll go that way there's no drag at all so you you got to learn you you got to learn where you're at and if and, you if you running across a, a a ditch or a slough that has laydowns all across it, you're going to keep it trimmed up high to where you're not slamming the motor into it and, and it ripping it out your handle every time you hit something. You know, you keep it on top and you just bounce off of it. Uh, but the, 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 the thing is, at the bottom line is to learn how to run it the best, use your senses. You know, you're going to hear it. You'll hear the motor. You Like today running back, you know, I had it trimmed up a little bit too high. You trim it down and you can hear the motor load back up and it's working. The motor's working. The vibration is less, and you and you're doing a better speed. You know, you just just do, my thing is, I'm gonna trim it where I'm comfortable. Uh, you know, just just be comfortable driving. You'll, and just adjust your load or adjust the height of your engine. Is it is it something to where? I want to make sure I word this right because you're. I'm a lefty, so I'm standing on the right side of the boat, and I'm driving with my left arm. Mm -hmm. When I need to go, when I need to pitch the boat to the left, you know, I'm, 
is there secrets to this? Is there dexterity in your shoulder? You know what I'm saying? Oh, you slow down. You slow down. Yeah, slow down. Slow down. So slow on those down. turns, and you need to make it, and you, it, it is possible to whip around and almost do a donut in these yeah. things, right? Yeah. But, it, I mean, there's no use for that. No. I, I, you slow down. I mean, look, and I understand some people are, are need to go fast in a certain situation. That's them. But for me, if I'm making a left turn and I can't do it, well, and then, but, again, you can turn yourself sideways and make the left turn. You know, if you stand up and let it, you turn yourself sideways in a boat and you make the left turn. But if it's awkward, just slow down. If the thing propels on mud, yeah. like the, it actually uses mud to propel. So if you're in a shallow water situation, you slow down and you just hit the gas again and you take back off. I mean, yeah. I can tell you on the way going to the blind, I'm running fast on the way back. The left hand turns. I just slow down and take back off. It's, it's, it is what it is. You know? and, and just boat wise, as you slow down, the boat will track and grab and, and help you turn you know you've already got it going that direction so now it's going to grab the water and and actually make the turn for you and help you and relieve the torque talk to me a little bit on handle adjustment of the gator tail and the design behind that what what can the customer expect you, you mentioned the handle earlier bubba but talk to me about the overall positioning of that handle is it different in different situations when you're running the boat? Let me tell you this to, to, on that handle design, something to think about. I remember um, we was we was hunting with uh, was hunting in Jim with Jimbo one day, somewhere as off of the white. It was my first time I ever had been to Arkansas, and we run in the Gator Tail. And Jimbo, we he's at the bottom of the boat, and the handle's up, and we're going through some buck brush, okay, and the handle's up in the air. You know, like you're driving it, the motor's hitting the bug brush, and we had the bottom bending down, and everybody who's hunting in bug brush knows what I'm talking about. And, I mean, his hand's just getting tore up. So if you notice, though, this this XD handle, there's a reason why that guard is like that. I, I can imagine. And 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 that's what it was for, was for comfort. You don't, you, you, this thing here, the bug brush will grab on, on competitors' motors. It's going to grab that throttle and it's going to break the throttle right off. You know? We have video of us in the woods that, and, we did it on purpose to show what the handle could take. But that handle will go sideways and hit a tree. And it don't hurt the handle. You know, and it's protecting your hand. You never have to worry about your hand getting broken by hitting a tree. That was part. And then, you know, you got your thumb switch on the end. That was all done for comfort. And the same way as you can you can tilt it up if you want to drive standing up or you down if, if, if not. But there was a, man, look, there were so many hours that was put into the design of that handle. And it, it was all done for a specific reason. And it, and, it, and it keeps your hand a little bit warmer. Yeah. I mean, that thing blocks a, he a, a heck of a lot of, of wind. Yeah, I get it. Whenever we were kids, when we were kids, we, we used to drop, we used to hunt deer in the Chafalaya Basin. That's where White grew up hunting deer. Mm -hmm. And we'd get in that boat with that outboard motor. And it was it was cold, man. It was wintertime, you know. You get to the land and probably had a little bit of frost on the ground, a little ice on the edge. And we'd get in that outboard and we'd, hold that handle wide open and we run for what was it 30 or 40 minutes however yeah. your hand would get so cold so you'd run with that one until it was frozen you'd then you grab out. the other one stick yep. it in your pocket and run and it was like man we need to have something that's more comfortable for those long runs and that's that's how that handle came about what are you thinking about hoyt when you're looking at that handle right now you just, haven't taken your eyes off it for a few minutes no, well, i've just been looking at it since he's been talking about it but it it uh it, it it's a piece of art for sure and and it is very very user friendly and uh 
whatever that word is, ergonomic or whatever you want to call it. But it, it's it's it has a purpose and it does a good job of it. it. It's the hours in them. You know, he's telling you the story, and that happened 15 years ago. It didn't happen overnight that it happened, but it was like, okay, we need to incorporate this. The key switch, the kill switch, all that, there's a reason why it's past where you leaned up against it when you're driving. So you're not turning the key off. It's not grabbing your jacket. It's all those things are, I need to grab a decoy. So he's talking about the handle guard for running the timber, but I don't, I don't open marsh. But guess what? When I lean over or go grab that decoy that the guy in the front missed that we picking up on the mud, my jacket catches the throttle. Now the boat's going you know all those things well now it's protecting the throttle you know and, 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 and i want i want and you know look we don't ever talk about competitors you know that's not what we do i mean we want to sell what we have but i want you to look at that handle rather and i want you to think about that handle and i want you to think about a fence post okay yeah that's the that's that's the relation that handle compared to a piece of pipe like there's so much engineering and time that went into that handle ergonomics to make sure that everything was right and we have it's just a piece of pipe the rest of them not all of them but oversized trim switch simple but it hey you got gloves on you got fat fingers oh yeah hey i need it it's dark that's it's there and, and you can feel it i had you your bandit gloves the bandit gloves on it was cold what it was kind of gloves? bandit what kind you heard what I said. <laughs> the big, the big orange banded gloves. I mean, dude, we were using this. It was cold. Yeah, we were crabbing with them on. We were. It, it was cold this week, and I mean, that's that's easy to drive, man. That's that's why we did it. Are you? You guys said it's always about improvement. I always was like, man, how can they improve on the SB one? And then. I shot the SB2. I'm like, and I'm like, there's no way they can do it again. And they did it because the SB3 is seven ounces lighter. It's just a better, a better tool, right? Is there anything off the top of your mind again, without giving up any industry secrets? Do you already know of something that you're putting the pencil to paper and pops is in there figuring something out? <laughs> is there already, is there secrets that we're going to learn about in the next maybe year or so that game? There's, there's always a progression. Huh? There's always a progression. So that's We're a always yes. working. We can expect that. something in 2023. Probably so. Uh, I, I will tell you, it's not it's not a larger horsepower engine like everybody <laughs> is hoping that we would have. No, but we're working on reliability things. You know, we want we want something that is going to be even more reliable than what we have now. You know, and some things you don't see. So, um, a seal in the lower unit. What does that mean to Chad Belding? What does that mean to the the, the customer? But we don't want it to fail. After it fails, then okay, let's go back to the drawing board, in-house engineering. You know the the love, the passion. So maybe that's what the SB3 did. You know, let's change some inertia port. That's why it's better. Okay, did you physically see it? You know, they did change the forearm on it, and there's a lot of ergonomical and things, but the bearings. You know what sealed, unsealed. You know, prop shafts, all those little things that you may not see the internal components of it. You know, and I'll tell you this, Chad. You know, you asked if something is something coming. No, nothing. Nothing's coming. You know, this this forty XD, the way it's built now, will always be offered. I mean, it it is it is it's it's our staple. It's our workhorse. Um, and and what and something we need to touch on that 
we we are very very fortunate that in this region that we live in like i told you in in that other podcast that we did that we have a large percentage of our customer base are commercial fishermen at Chafalaya Basin. And, um, you know, they'll put, I mean, what, 500 to 1,000 hours a year mm-hmm. on a motor. 500 to 1,000 hours a year on a motor running in cypress stumps and logs and mud and water, water ice and all day long every single and, day. and the thing and not only what they do is they're gonna get in deep water and they're gonna have a sometimes an hour run in the deep water then they jump in the shallow water and they run this motor all day long now it's not wide open all day long but it's binging and banging and grinding through the absolute worst stuff you're ever gonna see in your life and then they run their traps and they put in let's just say what 20 sacks they can carry what do you normally carry? 30 30, 30, some of them 35, 40. 30, 30, 30 sacks of crawfish at 40 pounds a sack, 30, 30 pounds yep. a sack. And they, they get back in the deep water and ride another hour in the deep water with this thing. And then they put it on the trailer and then they go and they sell their, they sell their crawfish and they do it again the day after. And they do it again and they do it again. And if it breaks, they come over here and we fix it. And if it's something that we think is premature, when we're in that office and we like, no. We got to make it better. So what we do to make things better is we fix it and we help and we put it on one, put it right back on that fisherman and say, all right, let's see how that's going to do. We've been doing this for 20 years. Like it, <laughs> it matters. So we have a testing facility, you know, right down the road all day long. All, not all day long, but, you know, during crawfish season, that's what these guys are doing. And then during hunting season, that's what they're doing. You met Clay last night. I mean, Clay run these, runs these things every day. We got clubs. He hasn't that, missed a duck season, legal, a legal duck season in 27 seasons. 27. The guy's got issues. He has issues. <laughs> or he's really lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which one it is. <laughs> but I mean, you know, like, 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 like a person like Clay, you met him. He, he, he ducks hunt, he duck hunts for 60 days. On his day off, he duck hunts. And mm-hmm. then he gets in the boat and he's a commercial sprayer. You know, so I mean, like he was in a boat very, you know, often, and um, that's that. That's just what we do. I think it's amazing, but is it possible to buy a gator tail if you don't have a dealer in your area? Let's end this conversation by, how do we do it? I live in Washington State, Puget Sound, maybe need it for fishing. Going to be in saltwater, brackish water. Going to be in freshwater some, um, but I don't have a dealer in my area. Do they call? the gator tail line you guys are going to educate them on the sales process of how to get hooked up you guys can take an order and you'll find a dealer to deliver it to can they be delivered to a private loading dock can they be delivered to a private residence how does it work if there might not be a a dealer readily available outside of the dealer network we we generally take care of the customer it's it's a direct sale so we educate i talk to them you know Hoyt can work over some you know performance stuff and then it can be shipped to your doorstep you know, to the step. And then if it's a boat motor trailer package, we have drivers, you know, hotshot guys as well, you know, outside sources, they can source their own shipping, but we could do, you know, and then if it's in the dealer network, we, you know, we want them to go through the dealer. We want them to develop that relationship and get the service because it's very important to us, you know, so just because you don't have a dealer nearby, you know, we're here to help. Hoyt, where do we go from here? Like did hearing about the crawfish, Make you wish that you could have some etouffee tonight. Do we? Yeah, definitely. How do we celebrate tonight on a Wednesday in this town? Is there a cold beer? Is there Cajun food available? Boudin, hopefully. 
because this culture down here is amazing. Like it's you can't get enough of it. It's really neat. And you know, the, from the duck camp to being at Falks today, and you know, just being we're taking that drive today and, and riding with you and seeing the ducks and seeing the refuge and seeing the fishing boats last night, the shrimp boats and standing up on the running boards and seeing the Gulf of Mexico right there. I mean, <laughs> it's just cool. It's neat. And, uh, mm. it's a sportsman's paradise, you know, the, the HQ of Gator tail. So where, where do we leave it? What do we say to the customers? What do we say to the Nate, the, the, the potential customer, the Gator tail nation out there, where do we leave it? How do we end this conversation? Well, we, you know, first of all, we want to thank all of our customers that and, and, and dealers and employees and, you know, everybody that's involved. You know, thank thank you for being a customer of GatorTel. Thank you for trusting in us um, to, you know, with your money and, and, and your purchase. You know, I mean, it, it, it matters. At the end of the day, it matters. It matters to me, you know. And uh, if there's any questions, if anybody has any questions on, on, on a or on a purchase or you know give us a call you know email me you can email me i'll answer it things like that it's um you know we we at the end of the day we we care about what we do i love it i wonder if you could hear the cajun accent in your email <laughs> when you read the email probably charlie charlie's email hoyt any closing words uh same thing man thanks thanks to everybody the customers and it's 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 been great and we hope to keep everybody satisfied as the best way we can anything bubba i'm just ready for a beer and a duck hunt and a duck hunt absolutely thank you to gator tail thank you to kyle thank you to bubba thank you to hoyt GatorTail.com. Mm -hmm. get some shirts get some merch get a decal this logo is badass the brand is everywhere. I'm Chad Belling. It's the Foul Life Podcast. Thank you all so much for the subscriptions and the downloads. This episode obviously was bought, brought to you by Gator Tail, Louisiana, USA. The product is on a another level to me. I mean, I noticed it the very, very first time I drove it. I told you my first drive ever, mm -hmm. White River, Arkansas. And now I've had, I, I said something last night and it might have been premature. I think it was last night. But I think I've driven a gator tail in more states probably than all three of you combined. Probably. I <laughs> wonder so. if that's true. So. Could be. Could be. I love gator tail. I love pulling it. I love having it. Um, the ease of operation and the results. It's just there's something about the accomplishment of putting together a hunt and navigating your friends and family safely to a spot that you might not have been able to get to. And like Bubba touched on in the beginning of this conversation, if your grandpa still wants to go and he – can't walk in that mud anymore that's understandable man i'm almost i'm 47 i just turned 48 and it kicks my butt i don't want to admit that yet <laughs> i might have to take that part out yeah but again it, depend, it depends on where you hunting but yeah there's some yeah. there's some bad mud out there but just this product is awesome this brand is awesome this family that runs it is awesome good luck what's the name of the town I always mess with Lorville High School, Friday night, semifinals, 3A state football title. 3A state. Well, division. A, division, it, it, division three. Division three. Hoyt, he's a sophomore starting on the offensive line. The Owen. dude. Owen. I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> Owen. I got too many names. You need Owen, you guys got to watch this kid, number 58. When I met him, I'm like, there ain't no way this kid's a sophomore in high school. <laughs>
but just a just a, a family operation down here. It's Gator Tail. It's America built in America. Support them. Thank you for supporting our brands. Brand new episodes of Benelli's The Foul Life airing right now in this week right now we're in idaho john shaw houston shaw my man richie howard hagerman wings it's mallard ducks it's buck gardner's episode we're highlighting the career and some of the tribulations that buck's been going for rest in peace to miss gardner buck i know you're fighting hard brother i'm glad that we were able to showcase your career your duck calling accomplishments the 1994 world champion, the 1995 champion of champions, Buck Garner, is on this week's episode of Benelli's The Foul Life. Any more questions or hit us up at info at thefoullife.com. Jack's looking at me like he wants to eat. Jack, come here real quick. You got to do it, Jack. Come Let on, me see Jack. that mullet real quick on camera. <laughs> this is the, this, uh, we, we mentioned Charles, just Judas. 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 Charlie Judas. Judas. He did this mullet for my man Jack here. Oh, he did? Oh, yeah. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, <laughs> on he the did. porch. On the porch. <laughs> at the camp in, in Pecan Island, Louisiana. It's looking good, Jack. Mullet. That's Thank you all for listening to the Foul Life Podcast. We'll be back at you with another episode. Until then, this is 2AM Logic. The song is called My Foul Life. Smile.